Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The excellent weather over the last few days has really helped growth in all crops. All winter crops have developed a lovely dark green colour following the application of nitrogen earlier in the month and we're really starting to see crops move through their growth stages. April and May are busy times of the year on all tillage farms with many agronomic jobs to be completed in all crops. In the podcast today, we will look at some of the major crops to discuss their growth stages and see what actions are needed by farmers over the coming week. I'm delighted to be joined by Kieran Collins and Shea Phelan, who are both tillage specialists in Chagas, to discuss crop management actions needed on farms in the coming weeks. Gentlemen, you're both very welcome back to the podcast. We will first start with some winter crops and then move on to spring crops. But Kieran, I first want to talk about winter barley. You might give us an idea of what the growth stages in winter barley are at and if there's any major actions required by farmers over the next few weeks. Yeah, Michael, I suppose um, a range of growth stages, really. I suppose some of the very late ones, maybe 31, most in at 32 and up to flag leaf emergence in around growth stage 37. Um, I, I suppose in general, winter barley is good uh, in terms of uniformity and stuff. There are some poor crops out there, I suppose. A couple of things, um, BYDV has become evident in the last few weeks, a lot of um, advisors and growers reporting on, on, on BYDV. Um, now, it's not, I suppose, big areas of fields. It's more little spots around fields. So I suppose in a little bit more time, we'll, we'll see what, what becomes of that. And Does, Kieran, is that, is that nationwide or is it in the south or is it all over where is it? Particularly in the south, Michael, I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, certainly from from Wexford down to my own my own side of the world in Cork, really. I, I would say that's the reports that I'm getting anyway. Which I suppose know. to a degree, the south is always a little bit warmer and perhaps a bit more activity for aphids. And I suppose if we think back, the um, the weather all the way through November, December, even all the way into January was 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 particularly mild. I suppose this year it was perfect for. BYDV really and I suppose if you add in a little bit of earlier sowing you know I suppose that 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 would have exacerbated the problem in 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 some areas as well and then I suppose we have seen a few crops maybe that that weren't treated as well with insecticide and I, I think they look a little bit worse but as I say mainly in the south is what I'm seeing but I'm sure that there are other bits and pieces around the country um, and just finally Michael just reporting on disease really disease levels are relatively low We've probably seen more brown rust this year than we have in, in, in a while, particularly in some of the six rows and tardis has shown up a little bit there. Having said that, a lot of growers have their first fungicide on at this stage and it, it is being well controlled. OK, so you were mentioned in the growth stages are anywhere between 32 and flag leaf. That's around the right time for growth regulation, is it? Or should should growers be thinking about that over the next week or 10 days? Yeah, I think so. A lot of growers, again, maybe particularly on the, the higher nitrogen sites, would have got something in in around 30, 31, typically a kind of a modus or medics max cell mix or, or maybe someone just a little bit of cell on its own. Um, and I suppose, yeah, that, that has come up in the crop walks there now, with, uh, you know, people discussing, you know, whether or not to go with a, a second growth regulator. And I suppose it really depends on risk, but you're right. It, it is kind of the right time. If you were to pick one spot, you'd probably say growth stage 37, probably with something like, like a, a turple type product. Uh, and again, I suppose the rate dependent on the risk. Um, some growers, have pulled back a little bit on nitrogen this year, so the risk may not be may not be as high. But again, I suppose it really depends on the background nitrogen there in terms of rotation, organic manures, and then what the crop is looking like as well. 
I suppose in particular, Kieran, before we, we, we leave Winter Barley, um, six rows would be that bit higher, a good bit higher, I suppose, maybe than some of the others. Are, are they a bit more uh, prone to lodging or should growers be thinking about more of a, a growth regulation strategy there? Yeah, I, I suppose it's one of the biggest factors is the variety. I, I, I think you'd have to go with the Department of Agriculture, you know, uh, ratings in terms of lodging. Um, some of the six rows would, would have a little bit lower lower ratings. But uh, look, depending whatever variety it is, look at the rating. But like, I mean, the total nitrogen is a, is a major factor. And then, you know, the background nitrogen as well. And we are seeing, I suppose, more so probably in winter wheat, but like we are seeing the benefits of, of bray crops, the likes of beans in particular this year, you know, where you have see winter wheat crops with, you know, following following beans versus, um, you know, following, say, a cereal like winter oats. We are seeing a big benefit in the likes of beans this year, probably due to the, the lower rainfall over the winter. So, you know, that's another factor to consider. Okay, thanks, Karen. Shay, can I bring you in there for for a minute just to talk about winter wheat? Where is winter wheat at now at the moment in terms of growth stages, and are there any major actions required on on, on wheat at the moment? My, I suppose there's a variation in wheat, probably more so than than in barley, might because winter wheat tends to be sown a little bit later into the season than winter barley. But that said. Most crops I'm looking at the moment are somewhere between growth stage 31 and 32. Um, and you're right, there's there's quite a bit of work that needs to be done on those now, I suppose. First and foremost, um, you would hope that most crops now, if they're 31 or in that growth stage 31, heading on for growth stage 32, that they'd have their main spit of nitrogen applied now at this stage. And I think, to be fair, most have. Um, so really, you'd like to have, you know, I suppose 75% of whatever the total amount of nitrogen that you're going to apply to that crop on at this stage. Um, and you'd leave off probably the last 25% then close, closer to the flag leaf stage. I suppose the main concern people have at the moment um, is where leaf three is at in terms of fungicide control. Um, and looking at crops there, I suppose, you really need to get out and dissect crops at the moment to see where they're at. Um, because there's again there's huge variations in in different crops. I was looking at crops in Athai yesterday, sorry not yesterday on Tuesday, and leaf three is about sixty percent out. But yet here in Oak Park yesterday we're looking at crops here in Oak Park, and leaf three is only peeping. So there's huge variation out there in terms of where crops are at the moment. And I see already on social media some guys have applied a um, a leaf three application already. So um, there is variation out there, and I suppose. The, the key thing is that people actually get out into each individual crop, look at where they're at uh, and look at where that crucial leaf three emergence is at at this stage. Shay, just, just remind us why you're so definite on this leaf three being fully out. I suppose disease control um, in, in winter wheat is critical at this stage and we're trying to protect the upper canopy of, of the crop. Um, and over the last number of years, we've seen different challenges to the to different products that we have available. Some have been lost and the efficacy of some of the other fungicides that are available now are not as good as the where they would have been three, four, even five years ago. So most of our, our, our uh, programs now are based on preventative control only. Um, and we're trying to make sure that when leaf three comes out, which is really the start of our fungicide program and uh, again trying to protect those upper upper leaves that we coat all of leaf three um, because if we don't coat um, the whole of leaf three and get all our, our fungicide whatever the choice might be onto that leaf three we're leaving space for 
uh, septoria to infect that leaf and to move further up the plant as the season goes on. So that leaf three application, if you like, is crucial um, for the whole fungicide program because that sets the talk, clock ticking then for your subsequent applications at flag leaf and, and at the head spray. So we're trying to create a barrier, if you like, slow down the sleptoria spread up the plant. So that's why that leaf three application is so crucial. So if, uh, and hopefully maybe by middle of next week, will they, the majority of those um, uh, leaf threes will be fully out. So at that stage, what sort of options does a farmer have in terms of fungicides? Yeah, um, so I suppose the first thing in the tank really, Michael, is the multi-site. And, you know, we've moved on now from chlorothalonin now when we're, we're, in, we're in the scenario where we're using Falpet. Uh, and there's a couple of different uh, products of choices available of Falpet out there. So that's the first thing we put in the tank. And we're, kind of, we're going at a litre and a half to the hectare of that Falpet product. Um, and then it's a mix, basically, of a, an azole and an SDHI or QII mix. So products like um, the likes of Revistar, the likes of Aquino, Peacock, even a Lattice Era or, or Ascra Expro, which are probably the older products now at this stage. Um, they're the main ones. And I suppose our primary concern really is Septoria. Uh, and as I say, any of those products that we've that we've mentioned there a few seconds ago will will give good control. But for those guys that have said the yellow rust prone varieties, likes of Bennington or JB Diego, then the the, the product probably of choice there is a last era in that situation to try and get on top of that yellow rust uh, if it's if it's an issue. All those sound very expensive shades. There, there's a serious money in all of those, and given the weather, you know it's been pretty reasonable up around this part of the world at least anyway, and the forecast looks pretty good. Would a half rate of those products do, do the trick? Um, it's a good question. And I suppose the temptation is always there to try and reduce costs, especially given the year that's in it. But I suppose the, the key thing to uh, disease control in, in Winterweed is looking forward that three weeks until flag leaf has probably emerged at that stage. And if we, if we compromise the rates or cut back the rates too much, well, then the chances are that we won't have coverage until that flag leaf comes out. Um, so in, in, in that terms, then I'd be very reluctant unless it's very, very dry weather for the next three weeks. And we can't foresee that we can't predict that for the next three weeks. So in that case, I would say in order to give farmers or give crops the best protection, we'd normally recommend that 80%, 75 to 80% rates of, uh, those mixes, whether it be the Revistar or the Queststar or any of those type products would be the kind of rates that we would, we would recommend at this stage. Okay, and I suppose look, um, not that I'm selling the products or anything, but when we when we recognise that uh, wheat is you know, getting close to 320 euros a ton, it's worth minding. So it's worth it's worth, worth keeping the keeping the disease out. L- one last question on, on on wheat, Jay, before we maybe move on to oats. Um, you mentioned there growth stages are between growth stage 31 and 32. If a grower hasn't got a growth regulator on to date, can a grower put it on now or can a grower wait until the third last leaf is out? Is it too late at that stage or what do you think? Um, they can. There are options there to, to put, it, put it out. And I suppose what has become very popular over the last couple of years is to split the applications um, and for a number of different reasons, risk being one. Um, a quite, a, quite a popular application at this stage or at the moment would be that Cycacel at a litre to the hectare and add in either Medex Max or, or Modus type products at 0.2 of a litre or 0.2 of a kilo per hectare and then come back with a second application at a growth stage 31. So some of those later crops are still at growth stage 31 and that's fine. 
they, they, they can do that. Where the crops are moving on to growth stage 32, then we need to be careful. Your, your cell based products, your CCC products, uh, have a limit at growth stage 32, and that's the la- latest recommended growth stage that they're allowed to be applied on winter wheat. So just guys need to get down, again, dissect those plants and make sure that they're not gone beyond growth stage 32 before they put on a growth regulator. That said, I mean, you get the best... Uh, activity from growth regulators in warm temperatures at the kind of earlier stages at that growth stage 3031. Okay, thanks, Shay. Kieran, can we move on to winter oats? I know you've been looking at some winter oats across the country. What, where does it um, stand in terms of growth stages and 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 also in terms of, I suppose, um, most more urgent actions that need to be done on it over the next few weeks? Yeah, I I would say on average, I would say growth stage 32, um, but. There were some oat crops that were sown a little bit earlier this autumn, uh, or last autumn, I should say. And I suppose given, like we said already, it was a very mild winter and obviously where it's spring, it's mainly husky and 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 um, Isabel that were sowing, which are spring varieties. So some of those have grown on very well and uh, some of the more advanced ones are, are hitting, hitting near a flag leaf. But I would say on average about growth stage 32, Michael. Okay, and just in terms of that that particular growth stage, is there an action that need that's needed there around growth regulation or disease control? Yeah, I mean it would be considered the ideal growth stage for for growth regulation. Um, and work that John Finnan would have done in in Oak Park would have shown that that growth stage thirty two timing was the ideal timing really to um to get to get growth regulator on and a little bit similar to what she had in the previous on 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 wheat that sort of the best results that John got in in shortening oats was from a mixture of 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 cycasel and traxipac like Modus or Medix Max. At, at that 32 timing and I suppose that also kind of fits in well with disease control timing as well um, a lot of crops would have got maybe something for mildew or crown rust earlier on um, so again it's an ideal timing to top up on or get your kind of main I suppose really fungicide on um, Michael in terms of disease I, I wouldn't say oats is dirty but we're certainly seeing um, a nice bit of rust in places, and certainly mildew um, is 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 evident in 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 some crops as well. So, again, I think it's tailoring your your fungicide choice to what um, what diseases are in the in the in the crop at the particular time. But I think we're seeing a little bit more rust actually at the moment than than mildew in in winter oats. And is that Karen further south? Because oats because rust probably would be more. A- a southern disease, I suppose, rather than, than than as you go up to the northeast, is it, or or is it kind of showing up everywhere? Yeah, I th- I think the rust is showing up a little bit everywhere, as far as I can gather. Um, I suppose the mildew is 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 typically in maybe thicker crops, or some of those crops that I mentioned earlier that were sown a little bit earlier that are maybe a little bit rank, and I suppose maybe you might expect mildew to to turn up there, and we're 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 certainly seeing that. And if rust is the main disease of concern in a crop. Is there a particular product or choice of products that you would recommend above others? Yeah, I suppose. Look, the the, the likes of the Straub, um, Modem or Comet is 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 quite good on rust. Um, but you know, Alatus era is is a I suppose a recognised product, a very good product on oats, and it is exceptionally strong on rust. So I think, you know, if you did have a, a rust issue, 
um maybe you might get in at this stage with 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 something like um a lattice era now i know a lot of growers might be sort of because you can only use it once in a crop might be holding that maybe for the final timing but i think if i if i had a big rust challenge uh lattice era is is exceptionally good and it probably would would stick it in at, at the growth stage 32 timing now michael okay but again kieran i presume all crops are looking well and uh, you really want to try and mind them as well. So would that be the case? Yeah, them, absolutely. Know? They are looking well. Now, I, I didn't mention, but I and I haven't actually seen it myself, but I know from talking to other agronomists and growers that there is a nod bit of frost damage around the country. Um, and I'm assuming that's in the more advanced crops where, you know, where the ear was well up the stem when we got those those frosts there last week. So there is a little bit of that around as well. And maybe growers should just keep an eye on that one. And how bad is that, Karen? Is that just in small patches in the field or odd plants, or is it a bit more? Useful? Yeah, again, I I haven't seen it myself, and from reports, I, I it seems more like odd plants uh, than 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 uh, you know a whole field scale issue. Really, um, I think if you're concerned, the easiest thing is to split a plant with 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 a knife, and you, you'll know quickly enough if if the damage is there because the year will be dead, it'll be gone brown if there's an issue. Okay, okay, thanks, Karen. Shay, coming on to the nice um, uh, fields of yellow, the oldseed rape is in full bloom at the moment and, and it's looking fantastic. I, I, I don't think rape has ever looked as good, to be fair. Is there anything growers need to do between now and harvest? Um, any further ag- agronomic actions that, that are needed? I suppose the first thing or the, the most urgent thing at the moment, Michael, is to assess the crop and see where the growth stage is at. As you say, it's flowering at the moment. But if we think of sclerotinia control, uh, we're starting to get into that period now where we need to look and see is 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 it time to put out something for sclerotinia, and sclerotinia is one of those those diseases that you won't see much of it this year, but over a period of time it will it will actually um, affect the crop, and you really won't know the impact of it until after harvest. But I suppose if we're thinking of what's the best timing or what should growers be looking at in the crop at the moment, I was in a crop yesterday and we were looking at assessing the crop for petal fall. And petal fall is when sclerotinia or sclerotinia infection starts to begin. The petals fall onto the stems and that creates a medium to incubate the fungus. So we need to see where petals are at the moment. Are they starting to fall on the stem? Are we seeing them on the ground? And I suppose from the point of view of uh, controlling the disease there's no curative control of sclerotinia so it's preventative control only so what we're trying to do is we're trying to get a fungicide onto the crop before those petals or as soon as some of those early petals start to fall to reduce down the risk of getting sclerotinia infection in the stems of the crop so what we really need to look at is when a grower gets into a crop pulls out a plant and looks to see are there any petals attaching themselves falling off uh, the flowers and sticking to the to the stems of the of the plant, particularly in the axils between the leaf and the branch or the stem and the branch out uh, towards the leaves. So that kind of area is, is critical for the infection uh, to get in. So I suppose that's the most immediate thing guys need to do in terms of, of looking at crops at the moment um, and then deciding what they're what they're going to use in terms of a fungicide. Something like phylon or, or amistar or probably or, or maybe even a bit of proline might be the best uh, or are the best uh, options at this stage. And two questions around that, Shay, that, that, that strike me. Um, in, in terms of sclerotinia, is that uniform to all crops? So say a grower hasn't had oilseed rape in his farm before, and um, should he go after it in, in comparison to another farmer beside him uh, who may well have had uh, you know, oilseed rape year on year in the farm in, in, in a rotation? Um, 
again, it comes down to the, the risk. Okay, so there are a number of, of factors that that determine the risk. So as you rightly say, if a farmer has it's the first time a farmer's had oilseed rape on the farm or in that field, the risk is generally low. Okay, but that said, if the farmer has, is going to commit to growing oilseed rape for the next number of years um, and they're going to grow uh, oilseed rape in fields adjacent to that and eventually come back around to the field where they start off. And if that's the case, well, then, you know, you're again, you're trying to prevent the, the disease becoming a problem. So in that case, you would probably apply a fungicide to try and prevent a problem that's going to happen in the future, maybe not this year. As, as the second farmer there who has had oilseed rape on the farm, um, they're already in that scenario whereby the crop is at risk, okay? And again, there are levels of risk. So if, if, if they're practicing good long rotation, the risk is relatively small. So you would try and use one application of a fungicide at that early petal fall to try and mitigate against the risk. However, if they've been in a rotation which is very tight and probably tighter than what you would really recommend, then they're at a higher risk. Uh, or had a lot of oilseed rape on the farm and near, nearby fields and what, whatever, then you're at a, a higher risk. So in that case, then you could possibly even justify a second application um, at late petal fall after the first application. So it depends on the risk, Michael, to be perfectly honest. Okay. And it, uh, the last question just on rape. Um, Proline, you mentioned that already, or Um That was generally, I suppose, used for light leaf spot control. Does light leaf spot need to be controlled at this stage here? Uh, we're gone beyond that stage, Michael, to be honest. Um, the, the, the petals have already formed at this stage, so light leaf spot kills the petals or kills the flowers in the buds. So we're gone beyond that. If the flower at this stage, light leaf spot shouldn't be a, as big an issue. Kieran, can I bring you back in there just to talk about spring crops for, for a few moments? Um, it, I, I suppose, look, the spring has been fantastic. The weather came right at exactly the right time. Ground dried out really well. Crops went in. Uh, in, in in fantastic conditions and, and and I presume they have come up in reasonably good conditions. How are they looking now? Is that generally the case around the country? Oh yeah, Michael, yeah, definitely. We've, you know, of crops we've been in the last, you know, week especially and with the crop walks and that um very good stand of plants. Establishment percentages are 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 high. Um certainly a lot of them hitting the 80, 85 percent, which is which is exceptional. And as you said, you know, seed beds were good and then they were sown early enough, I suppose, really towards middle or towards the end of March. And, um, you know, we've had rain, particularly in the south last weekend, which is which is which is a good help. Yeah. So I think overall growers will be will be happy with establishment, Michael. And is there anything a grower should be doing? I, I presume crops are kind of getting towards maybe the the two or maybe even three leaf stage at the moment. Is there crops kind of ready for weed control or BYDV control? Yeah, certainly the the earlier sown ones, particularly I suppose maybe the likes of spring wheat, a bit of it that's gone in, or maybe some growers that got in a bit of spring oats or early spring barley. Th- those ones that I've seen are, are are at the start of tillering, and they're certainly ideal timing really for 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 weed control. And I suppose the key to weed control, you know, is getting in spring small actively growing weeds and i suppose we are we are getting to that stage you know and if i could mention michael just i suppose a particular weed that that's causing more and more difficulty every year is is chickweed um we know obviously for a while that we've got resistance to the sulfonylurea so we're not getting any help there and i think growers have found where weed control is delayed and particularly with chickweed that they're finding it increasingly difficult so i think if you're expecting a chickweed problem 
Um, you know, it's it the key to it is getting in earlier with a product. You know, you, you may have most growers will have a, an SU in the tank, but uh, uh, with an active that, that targets chickweed. So I suppose floxipire, the old fashioned star in hurler, those products, you know, it's 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 present in 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 many of the what we'll call mixer products, and it's essential really to get that in. Uh, but really more nearly as crucial is to get it sprayed early, um, you know, because we saw last year where growers, you know, for weather or whatever reason, didn't get in on time. And when you're chasing large chickweed, maybe that's maybe more than six inches. It's really, really difficult to control at that stage, you know. OK, so 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 the message is get in early and hope that there's or try and time it around really nice growing conditions in both of those. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of, of of kind of warmish kind of weather, uh, and we we mentioned aphids before. Um, what's the position this year as regards aphid control? Are are, are they low or are they high or where are they? Yeah, I, I I think it's a little bit of location, location, location. Really, um, you know, as growers are aware, at this stage we've got a suction tower network uh, up and running. We're we're monitoring, and I suppose the end goal obviously is that we'll be able to provide a, a decision support system for farmers whereby we'll be able to assess aphid numbers, the types of aphids, the virus that they're, that they're carrying. Um, so obviously that's, that's not there yet. But what we do know is, I suppose, A, we've spoken about winter barley already. So we did have a mild autumn stroke winter. We've seen little bits of virus in winter barley. So we know that there was a carryover from the autumn winter into the spring. Uh, if then, I suppose, we look at the suction towers and, and since January in, in, in Carlow, to the best of my knowledge, uh, to date, there has been very, very little activity, whereas the suction tower in Cork has seen activity. I know that there were the aphids captured in, in, in early January. There was a little bit in February and I think in around week 12, 13, in around maybe the 21st, 25th of March, there were certainly aphids captured at that stage. So I think... You know, some of the information, if you're a grower in the south, is pointing towards there may be a risk from BYDV this year. Uh, if you're a grower further north, that, that risk may, may not be as high. So I think, you know, from an integrated pest management perspective, we can't just say it's it's you spray yes or you, or you don't. I think you have to get into the field. You have to get down on your hands and knees. You have to look for aphids. And like, if you're not finding aphids, I think, you know, and if you're early sown, the risk certainly is low and you can do without. But if you are maybe further south, there's you're seeing bits of virus in winter barley and you're finding aphids in your in your spring barley crop, well then maybe you need to employ apply an insecticide. But I suppose the message really is from an IPM perspective is make an informed decision, you know, go into the field, you know, and and and, and monitor first and use all the information that you can really before you spray. Then Kieran, you're missing one crucial point in all of that, I think there along the way. If, if, if our listeners are, are, are my age or maybe slightly older, bring your glasses as well, because these little buggers are hard to find. They're not easy to find out there on, on, the, on the leaves. So uh, you make it down your hands and knees to find them, but you will. And, and would you be more inclined to find them in the middle of the field or towards the edge of the field? Karen? Yeah, it's, you're, you're, you're more inclined to find them um, near headlands. And I suppose look for a sheltered spot in the field. That's, that's, that's really where you're, where you're more, more, more likely to find them. Okay. Thanks, Kieran. Shay, I just want a quick word or two. We've had this um, uh, tillage incentive scheme out this year. There's been some, not just any huge amount, but certainly some grassland ploughed and, and uh, crops going into it. Uh, are there a couple of uh, pointers that you might be able to give to listeners as regards um, those crops going in? Is there anything really that in particular they should be looking out for? 
But apart from what Kieran has said, Michael, there's probably two or three things they probably should be looking for. Number one, I was I was in a crop actually last week, and the first thing I noticed was there's a lot of uh, crows hanging around, and they're not there for the good of their health. They're they're looking for something, so they're looking for one of a couple of things. Right, they're looking for the a the seed, which maybe hasn't been. Uh, covered properly, you know, if you have poor ploughing or poor burying of the sod, there, there may be some, you know, seed on the surface that are, they may be after that. But more likely they're after whatever's in the soil. So it could be after, say, likes of worms or possibly leather jackets or wire worms. And they're the ones I would be I would be worried about, especially leather jackets are coming in after lay. Um, and that's something that can, you know, wipe out a crop very, very quickly. So if a farmer sees a lot of crows hanging around and they're digging and rooting in the, in the in the crop. Don't just ignore it. Go and have a look and pull up sods. And if you can see, you know, kind of little fat, chunky, uh, like worms, but they're about maybe at the width of your thumb and they're easily squashed and they're grey and maybe with a black head on them, they're likely to be leather jackets. So they need to do something with that. Now, unfortunately, with any of these things in the soil now, there's there's no chemical control for that so in those cases the best you can do if you haven't rolled the crop already is to go out with a flat roller in dry conditions and try and roll that crop flat uh, and that hopefully will tighten down the seed bed and hopefully maybe even squash whatever few um, leather jackets are there at the soil surface if there's wireworm there unfortunately Michael, there's nothing you can do even rolling is not going to affect wireworm um, movement because they're much slender. They're again about the width of your thumb, and they're they're kind of a yellowy brown color with a black head on them. They're very very slender. They they can move through the slightest of, of pore spaces in the soil, so they're very very difficult to control. The only other thing I suppose maybe to watch out for on a on a different tack altogether is maybe a look at maybe a bit of potash deficiency. And quite often you can see that coming in after after grassland that was maybe cut first repeatedly for silage or something like that. And that's typically a, a, a kind of a grain of the top, top of the of the of the new leaves coming out that kind of can get very paper like and very translucent. So it's something, again, just to keep an eye out for, for on those crops coming in after grassland. And Shay, can I ask you, just in terms of you're talking about rolling there for, for some of those pests. What if a farmer's already rolled that ground and, and, and the crop is actually up or coming through the ground? Can the farmer roll it again? They can, Michael, yeah. And I suppose in a lot of cases, they would have rolled it maybe with a Cambridge roller um, and they would have got a certain amount of consolidation uh, after the seed being sown. But I suppose what we're trying to do with, say, the likes of leather jacket is trying to squish them all together in a way or make the pore spaces between the sods very, very small that they struggle to move. So using something like a, a water roller or a flat roller will tighten down that soil a little bit better than even a, a heavy Cambridge roller. So that's really what we're trying to do. Now, it's not perfect by any manner of means, but it's the only control measure we have for controlling the likes of leather jackets at the moment. Shay, thanks very much for all of that. And thanks very much to Kieran as well. Um, and look, Laz, it's been brilliant. There's a huge amount of good information there. And um, look, we'll have you back again in a couple of weeks time again, just to get an update from you again. Thanks, guys. Right. Thanks, thanks, Michael. Michael. So that's all we've time for today. My thanks to Kieran and Shay for joining me today on the podcast. Chagas have a series of crop walks in every tillage county across Ireland over the next 10 days. The crop walks will cover both winter and spring crops around fertilizer, herbicides and fungicides. For more details on the walks, go to chagas.ie forward slash spring crop walks. As always, if you have a suggestion or a topic you'd like to hear more about, drop me an email at michael.hennessy at chagas.ie or on Twitter at chagascrops. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed this podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. 
And for more information, go to chargas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back next week with more Tillage news and advice.